little audience participation to kick things off this morning. How many of you as parents regularly and routinely buckled your children in to a safety or security seat in the car? Raise your hand if you did that regularly and routinely as a parent. I, I, I definitely did that. How many of you, maybe a long time ago, did not do that? See, now here's the thing. My parents raised their hand. It is amazing I'm still alive today. <laughs> we are a very security-focused, safety-conscious people, aren't we? I imagine if you rode here to the building today in a, in a car, you probably buckled your seatbelt. You were probably protected in case of emergency by airbags within your car. Maybe, maybe your car even warned you if you started to veer out of your lane or if a car in front of you were braking and you weren't paying as much attention as you needed to. In our lives, all around us, we are surrounded by safety measures, precautions, things that, in case of emergency, will be protected. And if we think it's always been that way, the number of you who raised your hands that you did not put your kids in a car seat, it hasn't always been that way. We did not always have security doors on our front doors. We did not always have internet-enabled cameras within our homes or outside of our homes to keep an eye on things when we're away. This is sort of a new invention, this whole idea of security and safety. But if you think about 2,000 years ago in the first century, they had some security devices installed in their modes of transportation as well. And I'm thinking about Acts 27 here, if you'll remember back to Luke's really detailed account in Acts 27. Luke, for some reason, and I've never really been able to figure it out for sure, if you've got an insight on it, I'd love to talk to you about it, but, but for some reason Luke takes kind of a detour within chapter 27 here of his, of his account, where he's talking about Paul's journey to Rome in gory detail. There are so many details here about how Paul winds up getting to Rome. And it's, it's not a direct journey, if you remember the story. But on this trip, it was a perilous journey for sure, and they would end up shipwrecked at the end of it. But after basically two weeks out at sea, they did something which I think for even us today would be shocking. In verse 40, at the end of this journey, so they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind they made for the beach. They, they actually took the anchors and they cast them off into the sea. Now, that would be equivalent to you cutting the brake lines on your car. That'd be equivalent to you canceling your insurance policy or turning off the airbags in your vehicle. It's not something you would do. It's not something normally you would do. And not only that, but if you back up to verse 30, and as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. 
at the end of this journey, after spending basically two weeks out at sea, they cut away the lifeboats and they cast away the anchors. Does this shock you at all as a safety conscious, security conscious kind of person? A person who likes to have their, their fallback plan, their plan B, maybe even their plan C, in case of emergency, break glass kind of mentality that we have. We look at a story like this and we say, how on earth would they let their lifeboats go? How on earth would they cut away their anchors? That seems just ridiculous. They did that because whether they all did or not, they did that because they trusted the Lord. And that is really the focus that I think we need to have in our life. We have a lot of safety measures. We have a lot of, of fallback plans. We have a lot of things in our life that, that we are anchored to. And not all of those things are bad. Not all of those things are negative. But if anything in our life is pulling us away from moving forward, if anything in our life is pulling us away from making progress, taking steps in our discipleship for the Lord, we need to be willing to cut it away and let it go. And that is something that challenges all of us because it's comfortable. It feels safe to be tied to so many of the things that we're tied to. And we'll talk about a few of those things this morning. But when the Lord tells us, trust me, trust me, I'm in control, I'm leading the way, as he did here in Acts 27 with Paul, when he tells us in our life, you can trust me, then it enables us with the courage and the conviction to let go of the things in our life that, that might otherwise make us feel safe and make us feel comfortable. And so what I want to talk about this morning is a few ways that we need to be unanchored from this world, unanchored from trusting in ourselves to literally take the knife and cut away the things that just tie us down. And those are going to be different things for you than maybe they are for me. And I just want to cover maybe a few categories of things this morning that maybe you can relate to in your own life. The first one that I want us to consider here is that we need to be unanchored from our past. Unanchored from our past. Every one of us has a past, don't we? We've all, we've all come to the Lord with a backstory. We've all come to the Lord with some baggage, maybe, in our background, something in our past that makes us unique and different and special. But we need to, we need to cut away our past if we find that our past is, is holding us down is weighing us down. And that's exactly what Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 3. Paul, who really does use his past quite often, and, and as he begins Philippians chapter 3, he talks a whole lot about his past, doesn't he? He talks about how he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a persecutor of the church. He was righteous under the law, blameless. He's talking about his past. He's going back to his past. But you know what he says in verse 13 is something we all need to remember in our lives today. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. What does Paul do? He says, I'm going to forget everything that happened in the past. And I'm going to press forward. 
The past is very dangerous, I think, for all of us. That for some of us, the past is very nostalgic. We look back, maybe at old pictures on our phone that, that we find memories of, and we look back and we, we look fondly at the days gone by and how, how those were good days and how the, the blessings that we had back then and how life was better in the past. Maybe we'll look back with nostalgia, but maybe you look back, kind of like I talked about last week, maybe you look back with shame. Maybe you look back with regret. You didn't make the kind of decisions that you wanted to make, that you didn't live the kind of life that you wanted to live. Maybe you look back on your past with regret. Wherever you stand in that, in that spectrum, whether you look back with nostalgia or regret, understand that focusing too much on the past is never going to lead you to move forward for the Lord. The past is important. The past defines who we are, really. The past helps shape who we are, has led us to this moment. But if you're so focused on the past, you can't move forward for the Lord. Even Jesus said that. The one who looks back, the one who turns his back and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. We can't look back to our old life and focus so much on it and think that we can move forward for the Lord successfully. So if you can hold on to the past with a light grip, if you can hold on to the past like Paul does here, bringing it up, mentioning it in conversation, using it as a tool to move forward and to grow, then great. But if you find yourself being stuck in the past, maybe that looks like a traditional mindset. Maybe that looks like a mindset that says, you know, I can't, I can't take that step for the Lord because that's not the way we've always done it. Or maybe it's a mindset that says, that's never worked before and I, and, and, I can't imagine it ever working again. Maybe your past is keeping you from moving forward for the Lord. And if that's the case, you need to be willing to unanchor yourself from the past. But also in our past, I think we find some sometimes unhealthy relationships. Unhealthy relationships. And you can connect with this, I think. I certainly can. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 tells us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has light with darkness? Being unequally yoked, I think, is something that we can all relate to. You ever have friends, not taking a show of hands here, but you ever have friends who are worldly friends, who don't know the Lord? It's not a problem to have friends like that. Jesus, of course, was a friend to sinners. But Jesus was never entangled by his friends. Jesus was never brought down and caused to sin by those associations. And again, if you can hold those relationships loosely, if you can hold those relationships at such a distance that they're not affecting you, they're not impacting you, and in fact you are impacting them positively, then good for you. Please continue to do that. Please continue to leverage those relationships for the Lord. But if you ever find yourself unequally yoked, tied together, anchored down by friends from your past, and they're not letting you move forward for the Lord, they're not letting you take that next right step for God, then you need to be willing to let them go. Telling somebody to let go of a friendship is a hard thing to do. I think it's, it's a challenging thing for us to do because that really hits home. If you've ever had to let go of a friendship, I've even seen people who I've known who've had to let go 
of a marriage that they shouldn't have been in. And you just see those situations where somebody knows they need to let that relationship go, and it's heartbreaking. But it's the right thing to do. It's absolutely the right thing to do. And, and if you find yourself in an unhealthy relationship, you need to leave. And for all of us, that's going to that's gonna take some introspection on our part. That's going to take some thoughtfulness and some wisdom, discernment on our part to know what relationships are unhealthy for me. What do I need to let go? And what do I need to continue to nurture going forward? So we need to be unanchored from our past. I think our past can really stand in our way sometimes of letting us move forward. But a second category of things that I think we absolutely need to let go of is our stuff. This is a hard one, so I'm going to tread lightly. Because Jesus spent a lot of time in his ministry really focusing on our stuff. And I don't know if in modern day America we spend enough time talking about our stuff. I think it's a very challenging conversation for us to have. And I don't want to step too hard on many people's toes, but, but I wonder if Jesus was standing here, if he would care about stepping on people's toes that much. Because when approached by a rich young man in Mark chapter 10, Jesus found the one incredibly tender, soft spot, and he poked on it. He poked on it for this man in Mark chapter 10, who came to him basically saying, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus goes on to tell him, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he says to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. By the way, just stop right there. Jesus loved this young man. Why? Because he's asking the important question, what am I missing? That's not a question we ask very often. Maybe we should ask that question more. But if you had the opportunity to speak to Jesus directly, what one question would you ask him? I think this is the question we'd all need to ask. What am I missing? Jesus loved him. He says, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And we know the end of the story. The young man goes away sorrowful because he had a lot of stuff. Materialism keeps us from discipleship. I'm not going to mince words about that. Materialism absolutely keeps us from discipleship. When we focus so much of our time on what we have, you cannot serve God when you're serving materialism. You cannot serve God when the love of money, which is the root of all kinds of evil, fills up your heart. Now, what I am not saying is that it's sinful or that it's wrong for us to have possessions. That's not what I'm saying. And I don't think we should come away from this conversation thinking that we should all just go out right now, take all of our possessions, and give it all away. But the question is, how attached to those possessions are you? How much are you using those possessions for God's glory? How much do you have a white-knuckle grip on those possessions? Because we, we like our stuff, don't we? We like our stuff. Our stuff is our safety net. Our stuff makes us feel comfortable. Our stuff really is the brake 
glass in case of emergency kind of fallback sometimes for us. We think that we need to have all of this stuff with us. When the earliest disciples came together, when they gave their life to the Lord, in the book of Acts chapter 2 and 3, what did they do? They sold their possessions to give the proceeds to those who were poor among them to take care of their needs, to take care of the lack. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to be generous with what you have? Are you, are you willing to use your possessions for God's glory? Or are you just holding on with white knuckles to what you have? Maybe it's that one question that we would ask of Jesus, and maybe he would say the same thing to us as modern-day Americans, people who have a lot of stuff. You're too tied to what you have. You're too tied to this world. You're too tied to, to everything you've acquired for yourself. You need to be willing to let it go. And I don't know if that's the case for you. But it's something we really need to think seriously about. Are we anchored down by our stuff? Or are we allowing our stuff? Are we using our stuff for God's glory? Are we using our stuff to serve him and to serve others? You know, there were plenty of examples in the New Testament, in the earliest church, of people who did have stuff, who did have things. I'm even thinking about a woman who had a home, and where, what was she doing with her home? The church was meeting in her home. She was using her home for God's glory. So it's not to say take everything you have and sell it, but what are you using it for? What am I using it for? So it's a tough question, and something we need to think about regularly as modern-day Americans in this society, but we need to understand that everything in this life is temporary. It absolutely is temporary. I know you think we get a brand-new car, and we think, oh, the, the brand-new car is going to stay brand-new forever, and then that very first scratch or that ding on the car, and now you're like, well, we've got to throw it away and get a new one. <laughs> it, nothing is going to stay perfect forever. Nothing is going to stay pristine and in exactly the order that you think it should Forever. And Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, really this mindset that we should have toward our stuff, towards the things that we, that we acquire for ourselves. He says in verse 1, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. The, the comparison here is, look, you, do you want to live in a tent? Do you want to spend your entire life in a tent? No, I think most of us want a home. We want the security and safety of a home with, with padlocks and all kinds of security measures and, and everything that's permanent about a home. As much as you think this life is permanent, this is a tent. We just sang that song, by the way. And did you think about the words? This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. As we sang that song, do you, do you, do you, did you really connect with those words? Were those words really meaningful to you? Or do you in this life actually feel like this world is your home? This world is your permanent dwelling place? Because Paul was able to say, this is a tent. My body, everything I have, this whole world is a tent. It's not permanent. Thieves will break in and steal. Moth, moth will come and eat. Rust will take it over and destroy it. Everything in this life is meant to either be passed along to somebody or destroyed. As permanent as we think all of this is, it's not. The only thing that is permanent is where 
We store our treasures in heaven, where that permanent dwelling place is that Jesus went ahead to prepare for us, that home that we're looking forward to. So if you ever find yourself loving this world too much, loving stuff too much, just remember that it's, it's temporary. It's not permanent. And it's something that if you find yourself being anchored to this world by all the stuff that you have, by all the things that you acquire, think very carefully about what you're willing to let go of. And get rid of it. Unanchor yourself from it. So the last thing. We need to be unanchored from our sins. Now, I want you to understand that the, very, that the last two points I kind of danced around, scripturally danced around, those last two points, really focusing on saying, look, maybe these are good things for you, maybe they're entanglements for you, and however you decide, however you choose, you know, if you're past, you can hang on to it loosely, then do that. If you need to let go of it because it's anchoring you down, then do that. This is not something that we get to play around with. This is not something that we get to use discernment about. Sin is sin. And we don't get to play around with sin. We don't get to have a little bit of sin in our life. We don't get to entertain a little bit of sin. It's not something that, that we get to do. And, and in Hebrews chapter 12, we really see that the insidious nature of sin is that it just weighs us down. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 clearly paint the picture that if we hope to be running the race of this life with endurance, it is our sin that we need to lay aside. He says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Sin will only, lay, only weigh us down. I don't run unless I have to or unless I'm being chased. I used to run for fun. And, uh, you know, once Ryan Goodwin moved away, that peer pressure just left. And I, I don't ever want to move. I don't ever want to run unless I have to. But when I have run in the past, I'm not out there running with like a 75-pound backpack on my back. You know, I'm not running with, like, Ashlyn jumping on my back. And I'm, I, that's never something that I would do. Why would I do that? I'm just making it harder on myself. And when we have even just a little bit of sin, notice what he says here. Let us lay aside every weight. That's all-encompassing. We lay aside every weight. When we have even just a small amount of sin in our life, it weighs us down. It weighs us down. It keeps us from running the race. It keeps us from walking through this life the way that the Lord wants us to. And don't you know that in your life? Don't you know that when you've had some sin, some struggle that you've, that you've really found it difficult to get over? Don't you know how much that's just weighed you down? And that moment when you finally let it go, that moment when you finally just pushed it aside, cut it off and removed it, the freedom that you've had, knowing that that's not there anymore. Knowing that I don't have to worry about that anymore. It's gone. That's not part of my life anymore. Sin weighs us down. And I don't know why we deceive ourselves so many times to think that sin is okay. A little bit of sin to have in our life is okay. A little bit of, 
a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Th those are fine. Nobody's going nobody's gonna to judge me too much for those things. Even just a little bit of sin in our life really does weigh us down and keep us from doing the things that we ought to be doing for the Lord. But not all sin just busts through our door. I, does anybody remember the Kool-Aid man in those commercials? Remember how he'd just come, he'd come in like busting through a wall and, and it was like, okay, here he is. Like, there's the Kool-Aid man. I think that's what we expect sin to look like in our life. Like, it just busts in the door and it's like, I'm sin, here I am. You know what sin often is? It's like the termites in your wall that you never know you have until you have to do an inspection or until for some reason, you know, you see a little tube coming down. That's what sin often is. It's not always the Kool-Aid man busting through the door and saying, here I am. Sometimes it's the, it's the infestation that's just in the walls of your heart, your mind, and maybe you don't even realize it. Maybe you don't even see it. And as Paul talks about bitterness and anger in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, as Paul talks about letting go of those kinds of, those kinds of insidious things, those kinds of infectious things that fill up our heart. Do not, well, that's verse 14. So that's the wrong verse. That's not that verse. We need to let go of bitterness and anger. We need to let go of all the kinds of things in our life that really just stand in our way, that stand in our, in our mind and fill our hearts with all kinds of evil that fill our hearts really with the kinds of things that look at each other and think they're not good enough. I don't appreciate them. I don't love them. Have you, ever, have you ever had the termites of bitterness in your heart? You ever been filled up with the termites of bitterness? And you know what they do. They just eat away at your life, don't they? They just eat away at your heart. They, they keep you from loving someone. They keep you from forgiving someone to keep you from showing grace to someone. That's what sin does in our life. And when we inspect our lives, when we really sit down and look and see, what is it? What is it that stands in my way? We need to get rid of it, and we need to let it go. We all on the same page here? Our past really can weigh us down. Our stuff can weigh us down, and I think sin weighs us down in so many ways. And we need to be willing to let these things go. We need to be unanchored for, from all of these things in our life. I don't know about you. I don't know what weighs you down. I don't know what's keeping you from serving the Lord. Jesus is very serious, by the way, about what it is that we need to let go of. Remember when he talks about your eye causing you to sin. What do you do with your eye? You cut it off. Cut it out and throw it away. What happens when your hand causes you to sin? Cut it off. You get rid of it. That's extreme language for sure. I mean, absolutely, that's extreme language. And I don't think Jesus is really talking about self-mutilation there, but I do think he is telling us this is how serious sin is. This is how serious anything that stands in your way can be. What is it for you? I don't know. You're going to have to think about that on your own. You're going to have to think about what is it that anchors you down. It may make you feel safe. It may feel like your fallback plan. It may feel like the thing that you just are so comfortable with and you've had around your whole life. If you need help getting rid of those things, if you need somebody to talk to, 
I know there are people here in this audience who have had to get over a whole lot of things in their lives. Maybe talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. Ask them for strength and encouragement. Ask them for prayers, first and foremost, to help you get over those things in your life that stand between you and being a disciple of the Lord. We need to not be anchored to this world, but we absolutely need to be anchored to Jesus. We need to trust him. We need to have a relationship with him. We need to, to understand that whenever he tells us to go, we go. Whenever he tells us to stay, we stay. Whatever the Lord calls for us to do, that's what we're going to do. And if you've not followed the Lord, if you've not given your life to him in baptism, then we'd encourage you, as a few people did last week, to do that for yourself. Give your life to the Lord. Understand that even in the storms of life, you can trust God. You can trust him. You can let go of all of the security and safety in this world, and you can trust him. If you're ready to start that journey this morning, please come as we stand and sing.